welcome to Tripper Heads Talk and Tea podcast, an ad hoc series of podcasts with the newsmakers of Hong Kong. On this podcast, Light of the Pilots. Aaron Bush talks with the chairman of the Hong Kong Air Crew Officers Association, Paul Weatherworld. Welcome to the first Trip Ahead's Talk and Tea podcast with me, Aaron Bush. Every now and again, I'm going to have a chat with those in the news here in Hong Kong and not only talk about the issues of the day, but delve into the backstories, both about the topic at hand and my guest. And our discussions will be over a cup of tea or coffee at a location of the guest choosing. Today, we are at Elephant Grounds in Causeway Bay, and I chat with a man who has been a pilot for 39 years and is currently the chairman of the Hong Kong Air Crew Officers Association, who represents Cathay Pacific pilots, Paul Weatherald. Paul, welcome. Aaron, it's very nice to meet you. Um, you were a bit of a lifesaver for me during the pandemic. It was, it was, it was really good to be able to eventually discover you and get a good constant feed of what was going on uh, in terms of the pandemic. That's been my life flying. Well, first, let's talk about the elephant in the room, pardon the location pun, and talk pandemic. January 2020, we hear of a new virus emerging from the mainland. By the first quarter, variations of inbound quarantine started. What was the feeling like at Cathay at the time, coming straight off the back of the 2019 protests, which included the airport lockdown six months earlier? Okay, I mean, where do you start with a question like that? I mean, one thing I said to a lot of people is that when they do write the history of uh, Hong Kong, I don't think you'll be mentioned because I think the pandemic will be a footnote. Actually, uh, the history will be all about the other changes that were taking place in Hong Kong at that time. So, I mean, that's, that's one thing to think about. In terms of the pandemic, for us, uh, for me, a lot of people at Cathay had lived through SARS at 2003, which was very similar to begin with. I mean, SARS was a bit more deadly. I mean, we all know about infection fatality rates and all sorts of things now, but SARS was more deadly. And in the end, it was very short-lived. And Cathay bounced back very, very quickly. So I think that everyone, including um, the management, operated on that basis, that this would be over quickly. Uh, Little did we know. These were nervy times for everyone. And at the time, in 2020, it seemed Hong Kong was getting its pandemic response correct. But it quickly worsened for the aviation industry. What happened? Well, uh, oh goodness, again, it's, it, for, for a start, no one really knew what they were doing and, and governments were not entirely prepared anywhere around the world, were they? And I think that the aviation industry was caught up in this idea that we're doing the right thing and everyone else in the rest of the world is doing the wrong thing. It didn't matter which country you were. Like in the UK, we're doing the right thing. Everyone else is doing the wrong thing. In Hong Kong, we're doing the right thing. So there was a sort of, oh, it's being imported. The virus is being imported from abroad. It's nothing to do with us. It's being imported from abroad. And so the aviation industry is right in the middle of all of that, right? They're not only are, are, are people going from, go, they are abroad and they're going constantly to and from, so they can maybe carrying this uh, virus, but our whole business is based on people, particularly in Hong Kong, island, uh, city, uh, people traveling. So th- 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 there's this double whammy going on. Not only is 
our bread and butter, our work taken away from us, but we're also going to be immediately under the spotlight as carrying this virus, carrying this problem into, uh, into the city. Also back at that time, Cathay needed a bailout from the government as well. So did that adjust the attitudes at for the pilots and the staff and the management? Uh, yeah, I, of course it did. I mean, I mean now we can perhaps um, you know get into some of the union type things, but uh, the staff were very aware of the fact that they, we were going to have to help, which is basically work for less money or not work or do something. And uh, in the past, that's always happened during the uh, global financial crash. In fact, I was chair of the association twice. The last time was during the global financial crash. Um, so around about 2008, 2009. And, and it's the same in SARS. It, each time the staff stepped up and we took voluntary unpaid leave. So yeah, I mean, when all this is going on, uh, the company's having to take loans. It does, you know, you know you're going to have to step up the plate and take part in this uh, survival mode which, uh, that we went into. So yeah, it, um, it was pretty obvious that we were going to have to do something and do something as individuals as well. So during 2020 and 2021, the staff morale was still pretty good at Cathay. Uh, the, the restrictions weren't as harsh at the time. I remember back in 2020, my wife who works in hospitality, she could do quarantine in her own hotel back early on in the days before we moved forward. Was 2020 an optimistic time? You were saying about how we originally basing it on SARS-1 yeah. and thought, okay, this will be a few weeks of um, yeah. pain. Yeah. Um, so was, at the time, the, the Cathay staff, were, the morale was good. There was still plenty of – there was nobody leaving as such. Yeah, I think it's true to say that. I mean, there's lots of different – Things, lots of different things can unite you. you. You can be united in adversity, right? In fact, you can be really united in adversity. I mean, look at Ukraine at the moment, for example. You really can. Um, so I think probably for the beginning of the pandemic, uh, that's a pretty good description of where we were. Morale was, it was resolved. We were resolved to get through this, I think, together. But the trouble is, and now I'm going to get a little bit sort of industrial, is that the um, management sort of, I think, it was a huge mistake, but they said, ah, oh, this is an opportunity to uh, reduce our long-term cost base. These are the sorts of things that all management have in mind permanently. And they thought, yeah, let's could do that. And so that's what they did. They imposed permanent cuts to all their frontline staff, the pilots particularly, and our cabin crew as well. And so you can imagine that has a huge effect on morale. It's like saying, we're all in this together is, is a good start for anything. We're all going to make sacrifices. And when we're going to come out at the end of it, it's going to be great. Except for you and you, it's not going to be great for you. Your salary, your terms, they are permanently cut. So when you are in the trenches and I wouldn't want to overblow it <laughs> you know when you when you're trying to survive turning around to someone and saying except for you that's not great for morale in fact it's really bad for morale do you feel like Cathay management at the time was also perhaps in SARS one mode thinking okay like you said they can make these uh, adjustments now while uh, business is down and will bounce back quickly and it'll uh, only be a three or four month pain for the staff and the company. Uh, I have, listen, I mean, I, I struggle sometimes to, you know, I, 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 they don't, I, we're not shared, right? I don't know exactly what goes on in management. I know for a fact though that everyone would have been in that mode. Everyone would have thought that it was going to bounce back. 
And uh, I mean, we'll probably get on to talking about what it was like, life was like, but there were basically two experiences as a Cathay crew. One was an experience of, we don't need you. Uh, and then the other experience was, you're forever testing, you're flying really hard. And these were two very different experiences, but they each had their stresses. So for, uh, and, and to your point about it's going to recover quickly, they had people constantly hanging around just in case. You know, they wouldn't say, oh, just go away, but they had people constantly hanging around. And that was almost as stressful. So that, that led to a, an awful lot of separation between families. And there was a lot of isolation. So there was this short-term isolation in the hotels going on, pretty constant for those working. And there was also this long-term isolation and separation uh, within families going on as well, uh, within Cafe. Speaking on that point, do you liaison? You basically said you didn't. So there's no interaction between the association and Cathay management? <laughs> okay. So, uh, I mean, at the, at the time, I mean, obviously it was quite early on. So this was in October, November of 2020, right? And in pandemic time, that's it's just started, right? It's not that long into it. And they introduced these new contracts. And at the same time, they, they came out with these statements that cooperation with unions was sort of old-fashioned. It was old school. They didn't want this confrontation. And they basically said, we're not going to speak to the unions anymore. But, you know, there's no surprise. They'd just taken a huge chunk out of our uh, terms and conditions. So, I'm, you know, I'm not quite sure what they were going to say to us. Um, and so they decided that they were going to uh, speak directly to the staff using, you know, um, um, corporate social media etc and you know i don't think that's gone very well so where in the past the union would have helped to deliver both good and bad news would have helped to uh, you know solve some problems together with management obviously it's that is management's job mostly but we we have been able in the past to try and help with things you know that's basically stopped so since that moment there's been very very little uh, interaction between the association uh, any of the unions and management they've gone direct to the employees You're listening to Tripper Heads Talking to You with Aaron Bush. Now, you've been with Cathay for three decades, flying passenger jets for four decades. You've seen the ups and downs, and you were, as you mentioned, the HKAOA chairman back during the global financial crisis of 2008. We'll get to all that yeah. as well. But first, there's a little bit of history before that that I'd like to get, just to get a bit of, let know more about you, Paul. Uh, you were telling me before we came in to record that you were an Air Force pilot. Yeah, so I had a, 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 I did a 10-year stint uh, in the Air Force. That was um, how I started my flying. Um, that was a very different time. Uh, it was before the war came down. We can guess by the accent that we're talking about the Royal Air Force. The Air Force. There's only one. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll get into a lot of trouble. But we, they're in Cathay, there are a lot of... Uh, we have a very... Well, and I should be careful before I use that word. In a sense, diverse. We have people from all sorts of flying backgrounds. I mean, the, the, the profession does struggle a little bit to, um, in terms of what, you know, we would talk about having a diverse uh, workforce. But we've got lots of backgrounds of uh, civilian, um, instructing and military. So, yeah, I started my life actually in a very interesting time. It was in Germany. And I mean, it was 40 years ago. So actually, it was pretty close to post Second World War and after the Second World War, there were a lot of the Allies ended up having bases in Germany. Germany was basically an occupied country at this point, although you didn't think about it in those terms. And uh, yeah, there was this wall up, 
there were two nuclear powers facing each other and one of my jobs was to once a month or so sit next to this aircraft with a special weapon on it which had a target just the other side of berlin and uh yeah that was it was a very different time and within a few years of course that that changed very very quickly but it was a different time now that was four decades ago that was do, do you feel like perhaps there's similarities to where we are now in 2023 as to where you were back in uh uh, Are we getting all geopolitical now? A little now? bit. Oh, just as you mentioned <laughs> that you were in Germany, it reminded me that, of course, that was Cold War time. Yeah. It was uh, before the Berlin Wall came down for uh, kids out there that can't remember yeah. that 20th century history. It's a, like yeah. a, it's a really important time yeah. of uh, yeah, history. Yeah, it's a, it's I, a I guess. key part of history. I mean, you know, that happened and then Yeltsin and that led to Putin. Uh, you know, it's, you know these lines, they go all the way, uh, they, all, they, they go all the way back. I mean, at that, at that time, it was in some ways quite stable because since then there have been all these regional wars, I suppose, if you like, whereas at that time there were these two policemen and, you know, Russia, I suppose, and America, and they had their guns pointed at each other and there was a certain sort of peace that existed. But of course, we don't really know how close we ever got. You know, when you read your history, you, you actually discover that there were some close misses in terms of um, uh, accidental or, or, you know, confrontation, nuclear confrontation, potentially. But yeah, it was a relatively peaceful time. And in fact, my time, my personal time in the Air Force was peaceful. I left just as uh, the, all of the Gulf kicked off. So I have a lot of colleagues. If, in fact, Cathay had people who were involved in the Falklands War. They've retired now. And there's still a few people around who were involved in the Gulf Wars as well. So uh, a few. I managed to be a peacetime pilot the whole time. You went from working in the Cold War, which was a stressful time for anyone that lived through it, as we look back now, yeah. as you said, but at the time, nobody ever knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And then you came to Cathay, and that was yeah. pre-handover. So you've yeah. seen an amazing stretch yeah, of history, I have, both yeah. the Air Force and then into Cathay. Yeah, yeah. It's been, obviously, you know, Hong Kong has been... Yeah, I mean, I when I came here the first time, just before I left the Air Force, I thought it was, you know, the most exciting place in the world. It was a, a real buzz to it. It was really exciting. And it's still got that, of course. But, you know, I'm a bit older now, so perhaps it doesn't seem so exciting. But it's obviously changed for lots of reasons. And um, uh, it, that's a bit of a shame in some ways. But, you know, we move on. Times move on. I do remember in the 90s how a lot of the air airlines used to just work Air Force come to an airline is that changing as we go on yeah well i mean air forces are so much smaller right uh, I mean, you look at i mean if you go and look, look on turn on flight radar and see how many commercial aircraft are airborne there's um you know hundreds and hundreds and hundreds so the air force they provide um some pilots but the only you know really big air force is the, the american air force all other air forces are, are tiny by comparison they, they they're unable to supply all force but yes certainly after the Second World War, pretty much all the pilots for the next 20, 30 years were, um, 20 years were probably ex-military. Tripper heads talk and tea. So back to the pandemic. And by 2022, yeah. aircrew in Hong Kong were under some of the most strictest pandemic rules on the planet. The year started with the arrests of flight crew at a Christmas lunch in 2021. And then, to put it mildly, all hell broke loose. Yeah, I mean, I think... <laughs> 
I mean, where do I begin? I mean, first of all, just to emphasize that what life was like for those who were operating, the, the rules changed constantly. You weren't always too sure what exactly the rules were because the government were quite, all governments around the world were very reactive, weren't they? Dep depending what was going on in terms of the virus and in terms of what they thought worked and what they thought did not work. So the rules were constantly changing. Um, and everywhere there was this you know you know don't you know there's a war on it was sort of it was we're in the trenches we don't really care too much about you you just got to get on with it and this was the this was the um, attitude from the company as well and it sort of and then the government to some extent as well really they've got a job to do they've got to protect hong kong and uh, you know they don't really care too much about quite rightly too you know they don't care too much about um the people who who get a bit caught up in it so there's constant changing of rules an awful lot of hanging around we used to talk about hang sitting on white chairs waiting to be tested you know so pilots could be you know you go through this process three or four times a week and then we put trips together and in, in, uh, call them loops which basically meant you went fly test fly test fly test and you were basically away um so that then the quarantine got tagged on to the end of a load of flying it made it more efficient but it just meant that you were away from everyone for so long and then there is this constant threat that the finger could be pointed at you for um not doing something correct i mean to bear in mind you would go to countries where for example they had completely different rules people were walking around and you were fine you had to stay in your room isolated and we did get people who somehow transgressed the rules and they were sacked some were nearly put in prison i don't think they were put in prison but some of our cabin crew with that 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 uh, dinner they got into a lot of trouble and i they, i think they did break rules but they were tough rules and they were changing all the time speaking on that i remember yeah. part of 2022 about some cathay pilots in in germany yeah and there was photos of them near a lake walking around and that yeah. made it into the news so was there this constant stress and worry that they were going to get found out anywhere on the planet for sure yeah i i mean it's well, you know, you know, you're the expert on social media, but um, you know, where there's a camera, there's a way. You know, it's always it's it, it, it's a risk. And I don't think people really, um, you know, no one. I, I, I honestly, people did their best, and it was in in very uh, it was in extremely difficult circumstances. And people lost their jobs for it. You know, they um, and I'm not. You know, that's just the way it was. These were serious rules, unless you were, you know, Boris Johnson or something like that, in which case you can break the rules, apparently. But uh, no, um, with the rest of us mere mortals, no. And it was, and it just went on and on and on. And, you know, some, uh, some crew, air crew were, they were coming to Hong Kong where they were, and they got, I, I'm not, don't want to make this all about money at all, but there was a, a recognition it was tough here. And they got quite, you know, uh, special bonuses for coming to Hong Kong. Whereas, and it's not about the money. It's just to point out that for us, that was our, our life. And then there was, there was just the issue that it wasn't just you. If you got an infection, your family probably had to go to Penny's Bay too. And even if you came into, I mean, there's some crazy times where like someone thought that was they have to get an infection. So he had to go, all his family, and then any close contacts and their families. So you could end up with Penny's Bay just filled up with you know 50 Cathay related people for one incident so you know at that time the association the company wasn't really talking to them so uh, I think the, the people who were running at that time did a great job just doing things like delivering 
fridges and food and this sort of thing to people in the in the camps. So did it, it became like a little gang of the Cathay crew, I guess. You're saying how everyone was helping each other out. Everyone was going to Penny's Bay. So uh, the morale must have been absolutely rock bottom by this point. Well, I suppose... Yeah, I mean, I, I, it wasn't. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. I mean, I suppose you. I think you probably find that when a crew gets together, morale's probably okay. It's you know, like the morale in the trenches can be quite good. You know, even though the uh, big picture things aren't, aren't fantastic. But no, morale wasn't good, and there was. As I say, right early on, they did take this. I mean, I, I actually think it will, you know, there'll they'll be business school studies about it. You know, they made this decision. They misidentified the, the, the threats and the opportunities. No one in the room, when Cathay decided to, do, to, to, to make these cuts, said, well, what if all these people just leave? And now, maybe someone did say that, but perhaps someone else said, well, where are they going to go? It's a pandemic. But they misidentified a real risk there and it's going to cost Cathay a lot of money now and but to the point about morale obviously it did not help morale knowing that this had happened early on on part two of plight of the pilots HKAOE chairman Paul Wetherill says this in the whole of my time in Cathay which is 30 years Cathay has trained about 1,000 cadets and of those 1,000 cadets about 185 are now captains so that gives you some idea how long it takes to take someone and turn them into captain we're 700 captains short at the moment this is not going to solve the problem and this the airlines half the size it it could have been and it could have been making twice the profit that's why i say that decision that was taken extremely damaging to shareholders, in my opinion. Tripperhead's Talking Tea is written, produced, and published by Aaron Bush for Tripperhead Limited. Additional voices by Jade Bush. Copyright 2023.